This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club G'day, Jack. Oh, okay. All right. It's me. Australian Tanner. Oh, hooray. Fresh off the, the plane from Sydney. Oh. Mate. What, Australian Tanner, What can I ask you uh, what's different about you than American Tanner other than the accent? Oi, see, uh, yes, Jack, that sounds good. Uh, <laughs> I've been in Australia for a week, and you and I haven't spoken in two weeks. That's true. Because I was in Australia all last week, and I didn't bring a mic because I thought, that's silly. Uh-huh. Yeah. To pack a mic for a trip literally on the other side of the planet. Okay. And now I'm back and I'm a little jet lagged. Yeah. And I'm feeling a little crazy. Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell. And I'm going to do my this accent, my excellent Australian accent. The whole time? For the whole episode. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So ask me anything you need to know about Australia, mate, and I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, did you run into the habats? Nope. <laughs> did you have any Tim Tams? Yes, I brought back five five packs of Tim Tams for me wife. Did you have M- any Michelle. delicious Vegemite? Oh, I did have some Vegemite. It was awful. So fucking good. I eat a Marmite and butter on toast every single morning now. Ugh. Ugh. In Ugh. honor of the time that I was in Sydney. Uh, Disgusting. Similar thing that you did. I hate it, and that's why you've been doing uh, Baby Nation. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jack's been doing the the ad solo lately. It's because I refused to pack a mic Mm -hmm. for this trip. Yeah, I totally understood and immediately accepted your excuse when you said you weren't packing a mic. Where you texted me at like eleven o'clock at night, right before you left, to say, "Hey, bunch of stuff." Uh, happened, and uh, anyway, uh, long story short, definitely won't be able to bring a mic on the trip, so you'll have to do all the ads yourself. <laughs> do you want to know the truth, man? It was a nightmare. <laughs> I had a flight booked from JFK to LAX, LAX to Sydney, right? Uh-huh. My flight out of New York was delayed, meaning I was going to miss my flight from LAX to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And you so like, the this mic second, is going to slow me down. At the last second... Uh-huh. I threw everything I could into a backpack so I wouldn't have to check a bag Mm. and ran to the airport to catch the next flight from New York to LAX so that I could get my flight in time out to Sydney. So because I wasn't checking a bag, I didn't have room for the stupid mic. And you know what? It would have been 6 a.m. for you anyway, and you would have been miserable. Well, you know what Claudia says, Tanner? Life is strang. Life is strange. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> she said in this book that we're about to talk about, at some point, Claudia says, life is strange. Life is strange. <laughs> I've been saying that to myself all day. It's so fucking true, Claudia. It's Life so is strange. And it's so wise. Life is strange. Jack, shall we introduce our show? Let's introduce the show and then let's get into the recap because I was taken to task on... You Baby got, Nation, the Facebook group recently. You got named and shamed. Let me find Baby B, who, who called me on my bullshit. Um, I felt seen. <laughs> I felt seen. You felt called the fuck out. I felt called the fuck out and yeah. seen Yeah. by Baby B Melanie. Mm-hmm. Called me on my bullshit. She said she's sick of us waiting until halfway through the episode to recap the books. And she says that some people in Baby Nation get a little lost when we want to recap the books. Yeah. So as a favor to you, Baby B Melanie, yeah. we're going to recap the books as soon as we're done introducing the show. Does she Does she say how she feels about um, when we don't introduce the show for some fucking reason? Because right we're catching up because we're close, close friends and I've been gone for two weeks on the other side of the world, Jack. <laughs> it's why... We're not introducing the show at the top. We gossiped about work for 10 minutes before we fucking started recording. We gossiped for about 20 minutes before we started And then recording. we talked about classic m- meme videos. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Baby Sitters Baby Nation, Club. that's the oh. meme of the week, like by the way. If just Google, I can't believe you've done this, <laughs> and you'll see what we're talking about. Meme of the week, that's the meme of the fucking century. <laughs> 
Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. Club. I'm Jack Shepard. And my name is Santa Greenring. And every week we talk about a new novel in the great sitter cycle by The Hand That Shakes. I'm talking about the princess of the Prince of Town, St. Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bat. She is the first of her name and the last of her kind, and the last hope for humankind. This week we read and are going to discuss a novel entitled Stacy McGill, Matchmaker? Stacy McGill, Matchmaker. Matchmaker? She you makes get matches. That, you know, you gotta get that rising intonation, that rising oh, inflection. Question mark? Oh yeah, you're right. Stacy McGill. Stacy McGill. Matchmaker. Now I'm just doing a high voice for it. Matchmaker. <laughs> M- matchmaker. <laughs> she makes matches. <laughs> like fire matches. Are you sure? I. <laughs> Are you sure? Stacy Well, that's a good point, Jack, because yeah. now Stacy McGill is a nerd yeah. who can't get boys to date her. So I would be dubious about her abilities to make matches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she fucks it up this week. As we're gonna discover when I describe the book and then you describe the book, I'm so delighted we're doing Which this we're right doing up top. Thank you, baby B Melanie. We're doing it right at the top this episode. Could I also dedicate this So it's all it's all downhill from here. Can I also dedicate this right at the top description of the book to a baby bee whose name I definitely have lost, but who made a post a few months back in the Baby Nation Facebook group to say that she has like a 15-minute commute to work every day, and every Monday she prays that we'll get to your description by the time she gets to work and is always disappointed when she doesn't. Baby B, Beth. Oh, wow. You got that written down too? No, I did a search for commute <laughs> in our Facebook group as you were talking. Did I get that right? I don't know. I'm only kind of glancing at my phone because I'm trying to engage you oh, and I Baby Nation this. on the topic of this book. Can I say that I love Australian Tanner? Australian Tanner's a little jet lag, Baby Nation. I just got back like okay. two nights ago and I haven't been able to sleep recently. Because my mind, up here, Jack, yeah. Jack, look, up He's here. pointing to his head. I'm in Sydney still, baby. Okay, good. I'm going to describe this novel. Oh, hey, mate, that sounds good. Okay. I'm a big fan of the Roos, the hey. soccer Roos, the Australian national soccer team. I'm going to begin now, and you're going to remain silent, hopefully. Um, okay. Renowned author John Brooke is working on his latest mystery novel, but his heart's not in it. Because he can't stop thinking about the real-life mystery that just walked through his door in the form of Maureen McGill. With a deadline approaching, he knows he should be writing the latest installment of his hit detective series. But he can't stop thinking about the mystery of Maureen. The mystery of her haunting eyes and the way her smile transforms her face. The mystery of her laughter, which makes everything bad in the world disappear for a moment. The mystery of how one gentle kiss can take his breath away. And the mystery of how she doesn't love him back. Renowned author John Brooke is working on his latest mystery novel, but his heart's not in it because it's been broken into a thousand tiny pieces. Stacy McGill, matchmaker? Do you remember, mm-hmm. probably about 100 episodes now yeah. ago, Okay, when you and I had decided that there were no characters in Stony Brook named John? Holy God. Yes. <laughs> I certainly and do. Now, now every character in Stony Brook Everyone. is called John. Everyone. It's like an insane proliferation of Johns. And now we have a new John. John Brooks. John Brook. You may know him as... JB Angel, Baby Nation. Oh, oh, you may. And I have something to say about that. Yeah, do you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But should we do your description first and then? Uh, I guess, yeah, that's what we do now, huh? Yeah, and you just do my description yeah. like, right away. Right away. Right huh. away. All right, um, here's what I'm going to do, Baby Nation. I happen to have a big bad clock right here in front of me. I'm going to put 60 seconds on it. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe everything that happens in this novel. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm going to begin now. 
Okay, so Stakey is babysitting for this new family, the Brooks, Joni, and I want to say Mitchell, but I know that's not right, who belong to a recent divorcee father called John Brooks, who is a mystery novel writer who writes under the pen name J.B. Angel. Uh, he takes a liking to Maureen McGill, Stacy's mother, and they start going on a lot of dates together. They uh, hit it off, and they're starting to like really uh, build a head of steam on their love making. And Maureen decides that she doesn't like John's politics or the way he cares for his children. So she decides that she is over him and calls off the relationship before they get too involved with one another. And I think that's essentially it. There's kind of a B-plot, but it's essentially tied to the A-plot, which is that Joni does not want Maureen McGill to be her new mom. And time. No. Joni has what uh, those of us in the business call a dinosaur energy. Yeah, she's got dinosaur energy. She's got she's got really potent dinosaur yeah. energy. She it doesn't... was really fun to read. Yeah, she... she... Is over the fucking top. So John is trying to finish a, his latest novel, and she is doing everything she can to throw roadblocks in his way so that he's always busy so that he cannot date Maureen. Right. And at one point, she grabs his computer mouse and runs to the street corner and, like, hucks it up into a tree so it gets caught up there. And it's just like, like that is dinosaur. Energy. Yeah. She deletes an entire chapter of his novel. later Without she, a mouse. Without a mouse. Yeah, that's hard to do. Later, she password protects the file that his novel is saved on yeah. and locks herself in her room and won't tell him the password all day. It's fucking great. Joni has some real dinosaur energy. Yeah, I like Joni's dinosaur energy. I like Joni a lot, and yeah. I'm sad that we'll probably never see her again because we're perilously close to the end of this book series. Oh man, and Maureen just wasn't interested. Well, let yeah, me t- let me talk to you a little bit. John to the curb briefly. John Brooke is a fascinating character, and he's really the central character in this particular novel. So we're going to spend a lot of time on him, hopefully. Um, I want to talk to you about his pseudonym, J.B. Angel. Yeah, J.B. Angel. So John Brooke, he shows up in this novel as a knight in shining armor. He's presented as like a like a knight coming to the rescue, by at yeah. least by Stacy, right? Right. Um, he is what we call, again, in the business, a term of art, hashtag swoon. Oh, I've got a hashtag swoon moment. Okay. Are we in the, we're in the segment, hashtag swoon? I don't know. I didn't know it was a segment, but I do. I did capture a hashtag swoon. Moment. How do we do it? Should there we... was a moment when I swooned. Oh yeah, I, I hashtag swooned big time in this book. I don't know. What, we have we ever introduced it? Um, I don't know, man. Do you, what do you want to do? Should we do like we'll do like a sighing? Maybe we could do some soundtrack of. Some, oh uh, no, I was hoping that, hashtag swoon. I was th- okay. Fine. Now you do that too, and okay. we'll layer it over one another. Okay. Uh. Hashtag swoon. That's good. Yeah, thank you. And that'll kind of be, and we'll put like some swelling music under it, and that'll okay. be the intro to hashtag swoon. Perfect. Uh, <sighs> hashtag swoon. What was your Mr. Brooke hashtag swoon moment this week? Um, let's see. Um, the door opened, and I stood facing this a very good-looking man. He had lots of dark hair just slightly long, and the most awesome, almost unnaturally green eyes. He wasn't exactly tall, but he wasn't short either, medium size, and with a great build, as if he worked out in a gym. I stared at him for probably a moment too long. Then I realized I was staring and laughed nervously to cover up my embarrassment. That is the introduction of Mr. Brooke. Yeah. Hashtag swoon. The first time Christy Thomas lays eyes yeah. on John Brooke. Mm-hmm. The next day, Christy called me. She agreed that Mr. Brooke was seriously cute. I felt sorry for him, though, she reported. He was really nervous, and Joni kept telling him that all the sweaters he was wearing looked terrible. He'd put on another, and she'd shoot that one down, too. Did the sweaters look terrible, I asked? No. He looked fine in each one. I'm pretty sure Joni was just trying to make him late. Did you know this date with your mom was the first date he had since his divorce? Christy told me that finally, Mr. Brooke realized Joni was succeeding in making him late, and he dashed out wearing a green sweater, which probably looked great with his green eyes. <laughs> Hashtag? Hashtag swoon. Swoon, baby nation. Everyone's saying Maureen it. McGill suspects that he wears um, 
filtered contacts to make his green eyes oh, yeah. pop even more. That's when the bloom starts to come off the rose at the end. But we'll talk about that a little bit but later. But you and I you and I have differing opinions on the Maureen's stance on John Brooke. Yeah. Well I'm I think she's self sabotaging. I'm excited to get into I that. think she's looking for flaws. I don't think she's ready to love again yet. I you so you're you're a Stacy McGill in this discussion. Mm 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 opposite 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 stacy mcgill is is all for john brooke she loves him and she wants yeah maureen to get with him right she thinks that but she, and when maureen turns on him stacy starts to think that the problem is not within john the problem is within maureen i think the problem is absolutely saying. within maureen yeah right yeah i think she i don't know her motivation i think she probably still harbors some feelings for ed Ed? No. <laughs> no. No. I think maybe. I don't think why so. Else, why, is, why else is she self-sabotaging so hard? Why else would she not go out with this perfect specimen of a man? That is something we want to get into, and I'm hoping that I can shed some light on that. Okay. So, as we've discussed, John Brooke, knight in shining armor, his pseudonym, J.B. Angel. Yeah. Now, Tanner, what would you call an angel who is also a knight? Um... Um, uh, Paladin? No. Would you call him Sir Angel? Sure. Okay. Would you care to rearrange those letters for me? Um, yeah, let me just... Anagram finder. <laughs> Sir Angel. Oh. <laughs> I see. You and I, Tanner, have been wondering where a certain Babysitter's Club ghostwriter went. One of the <laughs> one of the anagrams that Anagram Finder has popped up for me uh-huh. is Larangus. Larangus. Now, a handsome, some might say, hashtag swoon, mm-hmm. writer. You think that about Larangus, huh? Have you seen the guy? I mean, he's like tangentially connected to our podcast, so I don't. And we also talk about his feet a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if we started to call him hashtag soon, it would be taking things a step too far. Okay, well, we'll the, we'll table that. People have said, yeah, that Peter Larangis is hashtag soon. Yes. It's been said. And I don't disagree. We've heard it. A lot of the critics. I read a lot of his early reviews in the New York Times. Yeah, I know. And I don't lot, disagree. Yeah. And I think he's got beautiful, sweet feet. And we haven't heard from him in so long. He just disappeared. And we miss him. Yeah. And and then we have this Sir Angel. And we know that oh. Larangis goes under various pseudonyms like A.L. Singer uh, to write the World of Power novels or J.D. Salinger to write That's the right. Catcher, Catcher in the, in the Rye, Rye novels. Jack, did I mention? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know this about me? Mm-hmm. I'm, actually, um, I'm actually a Suzanne man. Wait, what? No, yeah. no, 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 Okay, all right, stop the fucking presses, because you have not said this before, and that's no, a weird thing. I, it's something I just kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I was in Australia, I was doing some self-reflection. Yeah. I spent a lot of time by myself on a plane, yeah. just like really confronting myself, and I kind of decided, like, you know what, why why run away from this? Wow. And why <laughs> deny this? I'm a Suzanne man. Holy shit. And that's fine. That's fucking awesome. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, that's great. And I have some I had some weird bad news that I was going to share with you, but I'm I don't want to ruin your moment. So I'm okay. let's just Yeah, no, on. let's not. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. But yeah, so so Suzanne found a way to inf- insert my favorite ghostwriter and I assume her favorite ghostwriter into this novel. That's beautiful. Or else in the form of the hashtag swoon, Mr. Brook. Right. Or else our favorite ghostwriter Decided to stop writing and found his way into these books himself. Oh, you think so? Just like Keanu. Oh, so he he's like kind of capable of... Just like Johnny Depp. Transversing. Oh, yeah. Just like Johnny Blaze, the, the ghostwriter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good. Um, and just like Johnny Angel, J.B. Angel. Just like J.B. Angel. It's Pete. He's here. J.B. Angel is short for Johnny Blaze Angel. Right. The angel being the angel of vengeance. Okay. Ghost Rider. Right. There's a lot going on in there. Um, it There's a me- lot going on in there. Yeah. I was just going to say that I have full-blown Wania, that's all. Oh. Well, Jack, I thought you weren't going to... Like, I I want to be supportive, and I want to sympathize, and I know this is a difficult 
time for you, but like yeah. you said you weren't going to ruin my moment. No, I did. I And then I you kinda, did. And I let it pass did. and then I kind of left it out hanging and then I realized that I wanted to share it with someone. I'm like, I have full blown the, the Wania has passed my check, 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 check. <laughs> uh, we're trying to keep stay up here. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Okay. This is, this Just is make, pre- make sure to stay up. <laughs> I'll try to put a positive spin on it. The Wania has passed my blood membrane barrier. Yeah. And I'm, I'm basically fully. Where were you? Suzanne in the membrane. Yeah. Um, but, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, Tanner, what about if we take a quick break? Oh, okay. Um, sure. If you want to now, if you think this is the right time to do it. Yep. Okay. Okay. You want me to You want me to finish up my text conversation with my wife? I want you to say goodbye first. Okay. He didn't. He didn't. He fucking didn't. Okay. Goodbye. And now, a word from our sponsor. Better help. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24 hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better Help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes Uh, like for instance i bet that i can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again well basically since you asked it's going uh, pretty badly um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. Before we move on to other more academic topics, I would like to discuss with you briefly the fact that Maureen's going to get it. Yeah, this is what you kept slacking me today. <laughs> Baby Nation, I, uh, Jack, so it's it's a Wednesday. We usually record on Thursdays. Jack kind of sprung this record on me, uh-huh. uh, and I didn't quite realize we were going to record tonight, and then I had to kind of catch up in the last minute to get the book read, and Jack just kept slacking me today on our company Slack and saying, Maureen gonna get it. <laughs> and I didn't know what he meant. I thought he meant he was, she was going to be killed uh-uh. for a little while. Killed and then I got kindness. home and I finished the book. Uh-huh. What I realized what you meant was that Maureen gonna get it. It. Yeah. She got it. I don't... See, no, I don't... I'm not sure she did. She got it. I'm not sure she did. She got it. Baby Nation, Maureen and, and John decide that she and John are not compatible. After like a month. Tanner, what do you think it happens between month. two it adults? Was like, it was like three days. <laughs> no. It was it was a close to a month. These are grown human adults. Like what are they gonna like often they come back at like they're gonna after like, midnight. Yeah. Okay, like, okay, let's not use blue language about this. I just like I don't think they actually had Maureen pork. got it. And that's what and then she was like, you know what? And now I'm done. Oh, okay. She just needed. She just got. She, Maureen got what she wanted. Put yourself in Maureen's shoes for a second, Tanner. Okay. Okay. You. You. I am a divorcee. I've been okay. separated from my husband for 
what seems like forever, but has only been one year, endlessly repeated. Yeah. (laughs) And a handsome, and I can confirm, thanks to Hodges, that he is indeed very handsome. Hashtag swoon. A hashtag swoon man with piercing green eyes. A writer. Yeah. With piercing green eyes and khaki jeans and shiny brown shoes and a tucked in blue shirt. Okay, and the following thing happens. Comes into my town, and I'm the, like, uh-oh. Like, what, what, what that dick did? The following, th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you're like. That is exactly what you're like. And the following thing happens, which I have under my fucking get it Maureen section. Yeah. She Maureen's, shows, I gotta say, Maureen's looking pretty good on this cover, too. Damn right she is. Both Maureen and John are like, they're a handsome couple. I'm, I'm disappointed it didn't work out with them, because they would have been like, they would have been Stony Brook's sexiest couple. Oh, definitely. And I think that the the um, picture, the moment that is depicted on this cover is... Stacy looks like a fucking maniac. Stacy looks insane. <laughs> she looks like Golem. She's like, she's got her hands clasped together and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> like staring at her mother with this handsome man. Yeah, the, the thought that Stacy is having in that moment is Stacy McGill matchmaker (laughs) but she doesn't need to because the moment that is being depicted is the moment i was about to describe to you which is that like maureen drops stacy off to babysit for the kids and then she shows up and she sees this hashtag swoon fucking jb angel detective writer with his green ass eyes yeah and the conversation they have is He's like, oh, well, ever he's like... Don't they talk about taxes? I, no, no. That, that, that happens later. He's like, this is like literally the first thing these two like fucking adults say to each other is she's like, oh, I'm dropping Stacy off. And he's like, oh, I'm glad she's able to arrive ever since the divorce. Um, it's been... I haven't had a lot of <laughs> yeah. time to myself. And Maureen goes, you're divorced? I'm divorced. <laughs> She, she just took one look at his trousers. She's like, oh, I'm divorced, too. <laughs> I'm divorced, too. In that moment, she couldn't remember whether she was or not, but yeah. she didn't give a shit. I, I'm pretty sure I'm divorced. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm divorced. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, I'm divorced. Divorced, I single, I don't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you damn right she fucking got it. Um, I'm not so I'm not as convinced she got it. I think she had decided, and this is this is where you and I differ. I think she had decided pretty early on in their dating that she didn't like John. She didn't like his politics. Okay, let me ask you this. Oh, that's true, and we should explain that for the baby nation's sake. She's a it's a beautiful a, you thing. You know philosophy, right? Yes, we do. We get a peek into her like um, moral code. Yeah, a little bit because her John writes these fascinating. These, gory detective novels mm-hmm. and in them is he instills this kind of sense of uh pessimism mm-hmm. he thinks everyone is inherently bad right and that humanity has to work towards goodness he thinks there's no such thing as altruism and it comes up and they he takes her to a play as well where the right, main character wrote. and stacy and maureen have an argument about this play where maureen is like i don't know it's a little weird it it seems like the main character believes that anything that anyone does comes from a place of selfishness. Yeah. And that's not how I see the world. Well, and then it's interesting at the end of the book because one of the reasons Maureen cites for leaving John yeah. is that she thinks he is selfish. Right. She has like flip-flopped. She no, assumes she... the worst in John and says that everything he does comes from a place of selfishness. It's not a flip-flop. She sees that he... She's she's adopted his worldview. He she thinks that he thinks everyone is selfish and everything everyone is motivated by self-interest and greed. Right. And at the end of the book, she thinks that John is motivated by self-interest and greed. Exactly. She's adopted his worldview. She hasn't adopted Oh, I see. I she's see projecting. Saying. Yes. Or you could argue that John is projecting. No. The I think reason this is that a, John I think writes is self-sabotaging. The reason that John she had oh. this fucking she had this dream boat yeah. like on deck, yeah, ready to like dick down, yeah. And she was like, "No, I'm not." Like, she's not ready. She's still. I think she's still harboring some some feelings for Ed. I question that, but let me read you this passage, and we'll see. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not Ed. Like, I I hate to to distill her down to like such a basic thing, and that feels so. It feels so diminutive, but like I don't think she's quite ready for someone like John yet. Let me read you this passage, and we'll see if we can put this to bed. This is the passage that we were describing. 
Those were only his characters talking. This is Stacy speaking. A dramatist speaks through his characters, said Mom. Oh, Not so all of fucking uh, dramaturgy academic, Maureen. Certainly. Well, we can talk about new criticism if you want to, but let's do it afterwards. Not interested. Okay. Not all of them, I pointed out. Well, his main character voiced some worldviews I don't agree with. The main character acted and looked and seemed a lot like John. What kind of worldviews? I demanded to know. She thought a moment. Well, that, that people are basically selfish and are always motivated by what's best for them. I think that's untrue and somewhat distasteful. I'm still going to get that dick, though. <laughs> she says that. Yeah. But you I don't see remember that, it. Yeah, no, this is a quote that I wrote. Still going to get that dick, though. So yeah. maybe you're right. I guess I like... I didn't think they had actually done sex. Yeah, come on. Gee, Tanner, come on. If she said, I'm still going to get that dick, though, maybe yeah. they did. Yeah, I think, yeah well, it's, it's, un, it's still in the future. Yeah. But that's it. So what, what Maureen sees is that John is projecting his selfish self onto the world. But maybe that's Maureen projecting. Maybe, so you think she wants Ed. I, we can talk about I the don't know, right... I don't know if she wants Ed. I don't know if she wants Ed. Maybe that's that's just me. That's me, like, clicking into the, the easiest next position. And that might be wrong. And, maybe and, she's and, and an independent to, woman who doesn't need anybody, Maybe Tanner. she's an independent woman who doesn't need anybody. I don't know. But let, right. me, let me read how John describes Maureen yes, as a counterpoint. Please. Oh, well, I'm glad that you're going to read this because it's my... <gasps> Compliment of the week. Okay, that's not a thing, but... Okay, fine. <clears throat> okay. Maureen is a terrific woman. So smart and so funny, John said. She is pretty amazing, I agreed, Stacy. She's beyond amazing, he said, heading towards his study. He planned to work for two hours and then pick up mom and go to dinner. She's luminous. Mm. Hashtag swoon. Luminous? Yes. She shines with an inner light. She does? He laughed. (laughs) (laughs) She does. She has an inner glow. Look more closely next time you see her. Hashtag swoon. Jack, Maureen McGill Mm -hmm. shines with an inner light. She brings Mm. her own light. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. All right, Tanner. So she brings the light, Jack, okay. into John's life and into Stony Brook. Maureen McGill, the light bringer, bringer of light. Okay, Jack. In your never-ending quest here in the dark, it's not timeline. my quest, Jack. This is Anne's quest. Right. Anne set this up. Yes. Anne put these pieces on the board. Okay. Anne and her cabal of ghostwriters have been moving them for the last one hundred and thirty books. And we know that the series is ending soon. We know that this is building towards cacophony, Jack. Right. And we know that everyone is aligning right. towards their factions, Jack. And this is not me. This is in the text. This is Anne. Right. This is Suzanne. And the demons, Logan Bruno and mm-hmm. the Lightbringer. Right. And the rest of the demons have claimed another big W on their scoreboard. Maureen McGill. The Lightbringer. And they're building to a time. When they will bring a light in the form of an unholy cleansing fire. And this isn't me. This isn't me. I'm not doing this. Anne is doing this. Suzanne is doing this. Baby Nation, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's just we're we're too deep to get into it. But there are a number of factions in Stony Brook, including the demons, led by Logan Bruno, the Lightbringer. Right. And there have been a suspicious amount of mentions of characters who... Bring light like the morning dawn. Right. Lately. Yeah. No, much it's... like Lucifer, much like Logan Bruno the Lightbringer. Well, what do you make of this portent then, Tanner? This is Joni with her fucking dinosaur energy. Mm. Uh, and she draws a she draws a terrifying picture. A, a family torn asunder by the factions. Oh, certainly. Yeah. A dinosaur. Dinosaur and her new mom, Maureen. Lorangis himself, unable to do anything to keep them together. He's trying his best. Joni plunged into the project with intense concentration while Ewan, that's her brother, we haven't talked much about. He doesn't do much in this novel. Oh, he's pretty boring. While Ewan sat and considered what to do for five minutes or so before marking his shirt. It wasn't long before Joni's design became clear. In the middle, a girl with brown hair and green eyes smiled as she flexed her arm muscles. A vivid yellow sun blazed above her. Before the figure 
Joni wrote, no pain, no gain. Mm. So we've got this young girl with vivid green eyes yep. opening her arms up to the sun, bringing yeah. the light. Bring. Oh, okay. And she is saying, no pain. No pain. No gain. No gain. First, we must suffer, she is saying. Yeah. First, we must suffer. Then we will be victorious. Yeah. No pain. No gain. The light bringers. Who said, who said first we must suffer and then we will be victorious? I did. Someone? I was paraphrasing no pain, no gain. Okay. But like Lucifer didn't say that, did he? No. Because that would be like, that would be, be cool. great. That would be awesome. Yeah. That yeah, would no. be really beneficial for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, th- but Joni is saying that. Yeah. Joni's saying it. I'm finding a new way to describe it. Yeah. But she's saying it in a. She's bringing the light. And you then think she, she says, would be more closely aligned with Maureen. Who shines with this inner light, who brings her own light. Well, she comes around at the end. She does come around at the end, you're right. And John Uh, doesn't. Interesting stuff, interesting stuff. And I will say, Tanner, that since we're on the verge of talking about what we call the dark timeline here at the Babysitter's Club Club podcast, we are in the dark timeline now. It begins at book 100. It exists in a parallel, equal, and opposite universe to the bright timeline, which begins at book one. Did you read the happy reading this week, Tanner? Yeah. Did you notice that this happy reading this week does not in any way describe this novel? <laughs> I did actually kind of notice that, yeah. <laughs> Anne, and at first I was like, is Anne just not reading this shit? And then I was like, maybe Anne is describing a novel that happens in the in bright the, time. You think so? You Oh, oh, oh. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. Right? Anne is like Anne is reading these manuscripts after they've been like digested and spit out back into the bright universe. Exactly. And they're fully divergent from what actually happened. I'll read this briefly. I'm not sure if we've described enough of the novel for it to be. I love clear. that, by the way. I love that Anne is this pure and beautiful white light. Right. She doesn't in the even bright know. universe. Starting Joel Edgerton and Will Smith. She doesn't know what happened at book one hundred, Christie's worst idea. No, that she it, thought the series ended, but then like she keeps getting these manuscripts. Like she, she'll she'll get inner office mail, yeah, <laughs> at Scholastic, and it's just like it's marked like it's an it's an unmarked Manila envelope, and she opens it up, and like out falls a manuscript and a black pearl, yeah, and she's like, oh, what is well, <laughs> oh, oh, it's another <laughs> one of these extremely expensive and weirdly heavy. I guess someone has written another BSC book, but... I don't know. And that's why in interviews, she's always like, oh, I love all 99 of them. When they're like, what's your favorite? She's like, I love all 99 of them. I can't pick a favorite. And people are like, okay, well, there are 132, but uh, (laughs) all right. And and she's like, oh, you mean the the dark books? (laughs) Yeah, the dark ones. I don't count those. (laughs) We published them because we were interested in making money, but I don't count those. I'll read you this happy reading section. And by the way, I will add, it has been... I think at least, maybe is specifically since book 100, that she's put an exclamation point at the end of her happy reading section. That's just gone by the wayside. It's only commas now. She hasn't done that in ages. Yeah. Can I tell you my theory, Jack? Sure. You know the Dead Sea Scrolls? I'm familiar. I can't help but wonder if book 100 through 132 were actually the beginning of this series of novels and oh, Anne found them oh, Anne was like Anne was like on on sabbatical and she was like exploring some like cave in jordan yeah and found these 32 ya novels and was like oh these are interesting this is fascinating i wonder if i can like modernize this and update it for like the the, the like the girls of 1986 Oh, and she didn't know what she was opening. And she didn't know what she was opening and wrote this entire like series of books, one through 100 of the Babysitter's Club. When they realized how successful they were, they, they like went back and published like the the Dead Sea manuscripts that, that Anne had found in this cave. I wonder if what we're reading is not the dark timeline, but like the true timeline. The first timeline, the primal timeline, the mm-hmm. or the Ur timeline. Yeah. Do you think that might be the case? And like she, she picked up on these cues. Like she knows that like Chrissy's dad left, and and Stacy's parents are divorced, and Dawn moved to California. Like she read all this in these like early scrolls, right? 
and adjust and like, it accordingly to her. Pro, like, Proto Indo European, right? It's like no, like no, no. Aramaic. It's like infernal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not even like it's not even like a, a human scripture. It's like and Anne the, was like the words glow on the page and they're written in this ancient text. She was like, I can con- I can control this in her hubris. I don't want to speak so. able. She was like, I can control this, and she could until a point. Oh man! Until book thirty five took on a life of its own. Yeah. Eventually, at this point, she's like, maybe we can send Lorangis in. Well, and he's like, he was like a priest from the Vatican, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I can do this. I can, I can control this darkness. Oh, yeah. Not, not, not a chance. Yeah. Um, let me read you this happy reading just real fast to underscore my point that it's that she, either she didn't read this book or she's describing a book in a different universe. Dear reader, in Stacy McGill Matchmaker, Stacy's personal life conflicts with her babysitting and puts her in a difficult position. Stacy feels caught between her troubled charges and their father and has to decide if she can talk to Mr. Brooke without betraying the kids. Complicating matters further is the issue of Stacy's mother who has been dating Mr. Brooke. Babysitting is full of surprises. You never know what kind of situation will arise. It's important to be on your toes. Just remember that when you're responsible for younger children, safety always comes first. Stacy knows that her mom's feelings and her mom's relationship with Mr. Brooke are important, but when Joni storms off, Stacy realizes that Joni's safety comes first, it's no a matter fairly what. minor point in this book. When you're babysitting, be prepared to think on your feet and be creative. That doesn't. That is not a description of this book. No, it's not a description of this book. There, there's no talk of safety. There's, there's, there's no, one moment the where Joni storms off. Yeah, but it's not even. It's not in any danger. It's also not even Stacy in that chapter. It's Abby. Right. It's fucking Abby. <laughs> and also, this book is not, as many Babysitter's Club books are, about Stacy's personal life conflicting with her babysitting life. It's about right. Maureen fucking getting it. Getting the dick. Getting, get that, getting that dick. This, yeah. That's what this book is about. Yeah. And, and No, if, I've come around. I don't think she got it, but I think she was in pursuit of it. Yeah. Yeah. If Until would, she self-sabotaged. If Anne's happy reading section, an appropriate happy reading section, for someone who, for somebody who is describing this book as it exists in the dark timeline, would be Dear Reader in Stacy McGill Match Meet. Match Meet. Matchmaker. Match matchmaker. Meet. Maureen fucking gets that dick. Yeah. That's cool. That happy reading. You tell me that, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, put that at the top of the novel. Right. <laughs> Why are we saving these happy readings for the end? Give me yeah. amped up for a book where it's like, dear reader, Maureen gets that dick. I'm like, hell yeah. Let's talk Maureen. about it. Let's go Taylor, on this journey together. Taylor, there's something else we must, we absolutely must talk about. Oh, I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. No, okay, I think I do. Okay, what is it? How it's? I mean, it's a thing we haven't talked about since the very beginning of our podcast. Okay. But they invented a sh- like really fucking fly new word this week. Oh, did they? And I hate to give Stacy any credit, but she came up with a really great new word. This I was week. just wondering where Dibley and Distant went, and actually this week reading this book, but I didn't see it. You didn't see this. Christie's life certainly changed. She and her family moved into Watson's mansion on the other wealthier side of town. She became a big sis to Watson's kids from his first marriage. Her step-sibs... Oh, yeah, I did see it. That's why I was thinking of it. Are Karen, who is seven, and Andrew, who is four. That's cool. Step-sibs. Step-sibs. Life is strang, man. Life is strang. (laughs) (laughs) There was two. There was two cool new words this week. Life is strang. Step-sibs and life is strang. Baby Nation, life is strang. But if you've got some step-sibs who care about you, it can be distant. Yeah. Dibbly distant. It could be dibbly. Sometimes. And if it you're could lucky. be distant. Just because life is strang doesn't mean it doesn't have to be distant. Especially if you've got, if you've got some cool s- step sibs by your side. Fucking dibbly step sibs. I think I just think I have step sibs. Yeah. And I love step sibs. And oh, I'm ready good. to like start using that. Yeah. Step sibs. It's step it sibs. Rolls off the tongue. So that's what you were gonna talk about? No, Tanner, we ha- fucking have to talk about Mallory. Okay, I don't want to. It's a bummer. It's like the distant C plot. It's a distant C plot, but it's it's more than a distant C plot. It's one of those those foreshadowing plots where it's like, oh, this is going to be the plot of a super special or a a future book. 
it's tied up with a segment, so I might as well just introduce a segment to get into it. Tanner, what's um, where's where do you keep your video games? In the living room. Like, what kind of what systems do you have? I have a Switch, a Nintendo Switch. And I have a PS4, and I have an Xbox One. It, would you describe that if pressed as your Xbox and stuff? Uh, no, I actually play the Xbox kind of the least of all those systems. I play so, the Switch the most. I play the PS4 the second most. So would you I describe only it use as... the Xbox for playing Morrowind, which is okay. like an old Elder Scrolls game. Would you describe it as your Switch and stuff? Uh, I would describe it as the living room. I, it's no, kind of where no, it's this... where my wife and I hang out. We watch Terrace House. What would you call the stuff that's under the TV? My Xbox and stuff. My Switch and stuff. My Morrowind. I would call it like the entertainment center. Okay. Like I've got a record player down there. I've got my Xbox, my Switch, my okay. PS4. I've got. Um, hey Tanner, where do you keep your Xbox and stuff? If I ask you, living room. Work? Okay. Uh, what's behind the door? Which door? Didn't, are you switching subjects? Which door? Uh, the the one where you keep your Xbox and stuff. Are you gonna send me the script? Because that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> we have a Google Doc that I've shared you on. I'm I'm I'm, I'm stalling until you send me this the script. Okay, fine. All right, I've sent you the script, Tanner, because okay. apparently you can't just do this off book. Okay. All right, so as we were, we were just having a conversation, and you said that you keep your Xbox and stuff uh, in, in my living room behind that door, right? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's just, just behind room. this door. What, what is my, my playroom? Room. Like your like Xbox, Xbox and stuff? stuff? Hey, Jack. It's, it's important, important that you know you, know you can, can leave at any time. time. What? Why, what's, what's in there? there? I mean, I meant what I said. The, the helicopter is on standby to take you. Tanner, <laughs> just open the door. Creek, we'll see you now. It's a new segment. It's a hot segment it's that we do. New. It's an we've ancient segment. Like Thirty or forty episodes, <laughs> but we've never gotten it right. It's a hot segment we do called Mister Gray. We'll see you now, where we talk yeah. about what what Alan Gray was up to this week. Yeah. And it has bearing on what the fuck Alan Gray is was a mean Mallory. boy this week and He's not a bad. fun boy. And no. you're bringing a bad energy to the podcast now because he says a slur and it wasn't a slur in 1998, but it is a slur it's a now. It's a slur now. Yeah. Um, and you're bringing that to the show. Congratulations, Jack. Thank you. Shall I read you the passage? Yes. The first one I spotted was Mallory far down the hall. Since her mother had met Mr. Brooke first, I wanted to talk to Mal to see if her mother had said anything about him. Her arms were loaded with books. She spotted me waving to her and smiled. Mal hadn't noticed Alan Gray, the most obnoxious boy in the eighth grade, walking toward her. But I did, and there was something about the way he was walking that I didn't like, as if he were up to no good. And then I saw exactly what he was up to, and I didn't have time to stop it. I yelled at Mal to look out just as Alan deliberately stepped into her path and knocked her bottom book sharply with his bent elbow, sending all her books hurtling into the air. Duck for cover! Alan yelled at full volume. Spaz girl is on the warpath. Run for your lives! Kids in the hallway jumped back, laughing, as the books crashed to the floor around them. Poor Mallory was the only one who really had to duck since the books were dropping all around her. So, glossing over the fact that he Alan did a slur, did a, a slur. Everybody in school, including and especially Alan, is bullying Mallory. It all and it t- ties this in. Started this started books ago, books ago, and they keep hitting it. Right, which shows that the Leviathan is the Leviathan is like trying to draw this to a close because. They know what they're doing. This was like five books ago, maybe less than that, when I think it was Christy in charge, right? Yeah. They, Christy is, they're all, they all it was teach, only like a, teach a class. Two books ago, but yeah. It was two books ago. They, but the last book, they fucking talked about it too. Right. Um, this, this has been recurring for the last few books. A few books, right. Um, when Mallory first taught a class about poetry, Everybody decided that she's a loser, and they call her this shitty nickname. Alan Gray, who is a flawed individual, I I will admit that, though I have a soft spot for him, jumps onto it, makes her life a living misery. And guess what? She's fucking going to boarding school in Massachusetts. Yeah, she's leaving. Like, like, jet, like Star Wars kid. She's fucking leaving. That's the meme of the week. I like oh, God. That's another difficult one. Do you guys remember Star Wars Kid Baby Nation? Probably and probably not. It but was that's a another mean, tough one. It was yeah. a mean meme. 
Memes memes are often meme. Me me memes memes are off memes are often mean. I'm memes. Add that to the soundboard. And there was one called Star Wars Kid where a guy had like a a ball retriever and he was waving it around like a lightsaber and everyone made fun of him and he had to leave his school. And that's what's happened to Mallory. It sucks. But so Mallory, it's pretty clear. Let's see. Okay, here's Mallory talking at the Babysitter's Club meeting. And Jesus, I fucking cried for Jesse in this moment. Is Mallory, a moment? Sure. Okay. Mallory, how about you? I heard Marianne say. The babysitting job is from noon to three. You can handle it. I can't, Mallory replied. I'll be in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Excuse me? It's, a, it's my meme of the week. <laughs> There's an old photo going around of like uh, someone in on vacation in like whatever, somewhere in Asia, and they have t-shirts for Massachusetts, but they've they've misspelled it as Massachusetts. <laughs> so every time anyone says Massachusetts, I always think Massachusetts. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's my meme of the week. I'll post it in Baby Nation. I like I'll be in Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay, he's trying to gloss past it. Let's do Boston. Actually, okay, Boston. what about? You mean Boston, Massachusetts? <laughs> I can't, Mallory replied. I'll be in New England. <laughs> New England? Christy cried. Why? All eyes turned to Mallory. She drew a deep breath before she spoke. My parents and I want to see a boarding school there. Everyone spoke at once, our voices tumbling over one another. Boarding school? No way. You can't. Why? And then Jesse is just fucking silent. She looks wounded. Are you still laughing about Massachusetts? Because I feel like I've lost. <laughs> I, I, I was finding the image to send to you because I think you're really going to like it. <laughs> I'm talking about the sad thing. <laughs> Massachusetts. Fine. It, this better be. I'm looking at it now. I found it. <laughs> why i don't know i love it's so simple it's so pure they just like they misspelled massachusetts which is a difficult word if you don't speak english but like they inserted a b for some reason i love it oh, it makes me think of yard sard for some reason. yard sard that's my meme of the week this week yeah a lot of memes of the week this week I like mallory's going to boarding school yeah, it sucks, and I hate it. And I hate that everyone's mean to her like they were that Star Wars boy. Here's what I fucking think is happening. And it's Alan Gray. You fucking brought this on us, Jack. It's Alan Gray that, that I'm like, I'm no longer, I don't no. think Alan Gray's fun anymore. No, I think Alan Gray's fun. bad. It's not fun. He's driven a girl from Stony Brook with bullying. Well, you know what? You know who fucking else is guilty of driving people out of Stony Brook? Fucking Mel. What about that Mr. fucking Trout? No, that was Jesse. Was that Jesse? Yeah. I feel like Mal was complicit. I mean, as Jesse's best friend, yeah. But Yeah. So this is payback for Mr. Trout. I mean, it feels like Jesse should be driven out of Stony Brook. One in, one there. out. Tanner, this is a hard line. One in, one out. Trout goes out. I don't think out. so. I think, <laughs> first of all, the one in, one out only applies to the Babysitter's Club. And I think if you're including Mr. Trout in that, you're being very generous. <laughs> I've always thought, I've, I can now admit this, I've always thought of Mr. Trout as a secret eighth babysitter. <laughs> Second of all, this it's is Mal- it's Mallory, you brought this Jesse, evil into Stacey, the real world. Claudia, Christy, Dawn, Marianne, and Mr. Trout. I'm not interested in talking about Alan, Alan Gray anymore. I think he's a bad boy, and I think he's bullied someone into leaving, not even just her school, the fucking state, Jack. Well, I've got fucking news for you, Chad, and we're not talking about Alan Gray. We're talking about She's the fact that Mal- Just We're talking about the fact that Mallory's leaving. Here's what I think is happening. They are rattling, Tanner, at the bars of their cage. Anne has kept them in this fucking snow globe for as long as she possibly can. But we're coming to the end, and they're trying to get out. They've seen that there's a way out. They're breaking the glass. Mal's leaving. She's go- Dawn's already fucking history. Yeah, they even Dawn's- talked about that this week. Mal was like, I'll come back on the winter, or like in the summer breaks and like vacations. No, she won't. She was like, just like Dawn. Remember how Dawn comes back every summer in vacation? It's like, mm. Dawn who? Who the fuck Dawn? is Dong? Dong? Are you saying dong, Mallory? And she's like, yeah. no, Dawn. Dawn. Tanner, may I ask you a question? Sure. Um, did you this week have a... Fart of the week. 
hear it. John rolled his eyes at Mom, and she smiled at him. In a few minutes, the waitress came for our order. When she left, we had nothing to do but talk, only no one said anything. How's your book coming, John? I asked in an effort to fill the silence. I don't know, he answered. I can never tell until I'm finished. My mother always read what he wrote and told him how to fix it, Joni volunteered. She practically wrote his books herself. Joni, John said, looking hurt, that's not true. She said it was. I'm sure every writer can use another eye on his or her work, Mom spoke up, trying to smooth things out. That's true. I wonder if you'd have the time to look at my manuscript I'm working on now, John said. Mom looked trapped. I'd be glad to read it, but she doesn't know how. (laughs) Joni cried indignantly. (laughs) Dinosaur energy. She's just throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. She doesn't know how to read, Dad. <laughs> I hate to be the one to tell you she, this. She picked up on Maureen's like hesitancy. Yeah. She was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, she's she's illiterate. <laughs> You're a writer. She's illiterate. It could never work. Get back together with mom. Yeah. She wrote Johnny. all your books anyway. <laughs> good. Very good. Joni is such a good character. I'm not sure that we've done her justice because this book is very much about Maureen. No, yeah. Joni's a maniac. <laughs> Joni's a fucking maniac. And I like, I love her. Yeah. Um, here's my burn. It's a quick one. Hey, Claudia said to Joni. Grown-ups are weird. Don't you know that by now? They do all sorts of odd things. And it's usually not because of kids. You don't seem like a pain to me. Did your mom ever say you were a pain? Joni shook her head. She wrote me a card and said she needed this time to start her career, and then she'd be our mom again. I didn't hear the word pain in that. Not once, Claudia pointed out. And you know what else? Mrs. McGill loves kids who are a pain. She loves Stacy. (laughs) Hard agree, Claudia. (laughs) Thank you, Claudia. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a C-B plot. Yeah. Is that... Um, Joni and God, I can't remember his Ewan. name. Ewan, Joni and Ewan's mom abandoned them to start her like it's super fucked up news anchor career in like Nashville. This John Brooke, aka JB Angel, aka Sir Angel, aka Larangis character is a deep and interesting character in this novel. It is unclear whether we're supposed to sympathize with him. He shows a dark side. He's like a little bit harsh with Joni, who's having trouble with the idea that he's dating again. Yeah. Um, and by the end, it's sort of, I think Suzanne Wayne is is trying to say to us that like Maureen's a strong, independent woman and she made the right choice not to be with this guy, even though he's famous and super handsome and has green eyes because he has this kind of dark side. And but, but like, that dick definitely do something. That that dick definitely do something because she they were together for a while. Yeah. But the mom bad. Yeah, the mom is bad. Mom is bad. Like the thing she that like she ha- she like willingly gave up custody of her kids so that she could focus on her career. Yeah, and she's like her stated reason for divorcing John is that she felt that the kids were getting in the way of her, <laughs> her modeling. Yeah. Well, and she's like she's super bitter that John like encourage her to have kids because she feels like it ruined her body yeah yeah. for modeling yeah yeah. so now she's like she's relegated to like tv news anchor yeah and she says to joni it like fucking joni's like hey mom uh dad's dating someone i I wish you come back and the mom writes back like oh thanks for the note um I'll, i'll probably come back and visit you after i get my career going yeah Okay. Thanks for the note, loyal fan. Um, yeah, yeah. It's great to know that you follow like Nashville Channel Nine News so closely. <laughs> Happy reading. Happy reading. Yeah. Tanner, what if we get the fuck out of here? No, I have one more second. Okay, tell me, please, Jesus God, tell me. And it's been so long, but like I, I, I have to, I have to talk about it. Okay. Because. I was struck by a genuine Jack okay. this week. <gasps> <gasps> Tearful moment. 
I'm so delighted that we're bringing this back. It's been so long. It's been too long. It's good to see you back here again. Tearful moment. Tanner. I cried. Did you cry? Actual tears this week, Jack. Tell me. When I read the following passage. Actual tears. Yeah. I was alone in my house, but it felt embarrassed nonetheless because I was just like... (gasps) (laughs) 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 Do you know what happened? Joni asked me. I nodded. It's not your fault, you know. My mom just isn't sure she's in love with your dad. You mean it's his fault, not mine? It's not even his fault. Mom thinks he's a great guy, but maybe not the one for her. It would have been nice to be sisters, Joni said. I put my hand on hers. We still could be, I said. No, we can't. They broke up. Yeah, but we didn't, I said. If you ever feel that you need a big sister to talk to, just call me. You too, Ewan. I could be your honorary big sister. What do you say? Yay! Ewan <coughs> cried. Joni leapt over and hugged me. Nothing could have made me happier. So, I think that's beautiful. And I'll tell you why I didn't cry physical human tears during that moment. Yeah. My... Monster. We'll set that aside for the moment. <laughs> My immediate reaction to that passage was, what about Charlotte Johansson? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Stacy's like, Stacy's willing to be Stacey's like honorary sister, sister with pretty much anyone. What about Charlotte? No, no, no. But what if Charlotte Johansson overheard that conversation? Yeah. What would she say? What if Stacy got a call from Charlotte Johansson that was like, I'm, ha- I'm really struggling with something at school. Can you come help me? And then, like, beep, beep. And it was like, oh, wait, sorry, Charlotte. I, mean, I have another call. One second. And it's, and it's Joni. And she's like, Stacy, it's me, your honorary sister, Joni. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really worried about something. Can you come help me? And it's like, what does Stacy do then? You yeah. Know? Who do you choose? Stacy, the, the new, fresh, fun, exciting honorary sister? How many honorary sisters do you have, Stacy? No, yeah. you're right, Jack. You know what? Yeah. This was my cheerful moment, but you've, but you've made me realize how corrupt it is. Yeah, it's, and it's this rotten. Is, and this is typical Stacy behavior, you know? Typical, yeah. But you, you know what? Shame on me for having a cheerful moment in a Stacy book. Yeah. Stacy's just, she's no good. It's no good. And we've always known this. We've always known it. <sighs> Thank you for turning me around. Never mind, Baby Nation. Tearful moment canceled. Yeah. We cancel it. What about now if we get the fuck out of here? fine you think so i'm fine with that yeah let's leave tanner i am jack shepherd and i'm and green ring i'm c- delighted that you have joined us here today on this historic occasion i uh, am as well baby nation if you like the show mm-hmm. and i hope you do please rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts mm-hmm. um and if you really like it and i hope you do mm-hmm. share it with a friend and if you really, really like it, and I hope you do, buy our merch, bit.ly slash merch. We have two shirts available and what I will call a pin set. Yep. Not two pins, because you really do need to get the whole set of right. two pins. The iJack Shepherd and I'm Tanner Green Ring pins. You can only afford one. Just get the iJack Shepherd pin and save up money to eventually, hopefully, get the I'm Tanner Green Ring pin later. That seems fair, right? No, nope, uh, I think get them both because it's um, kind of a package deal. If you do share this podcast with a friend, please tell them to start at episode 100, the where the darkest timeline begins. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> the the Dead Sea episodes. Yeah, Christie's worst idea. That's that's the Ur the Ur timeline. Uh, they won't understand the as you probably didn't, the first 100 or so episodes until until Christie's Worst Idea. So start with Christie's Worst Idea, listen up to where you are now, and then go back to episode one. Just let your friends know that. It's it's not much of a barrier to entry. It's not much for us to ask of you. I feel like that would be a pretty wild experience. (laughs) Like starting at episode 100, book 100, episode 104, whatever, because we're fucking idiots. Yeah. Don't know how to number episodes. I hate ourselves and I hate (laughs) both of our lives. (laughs) So starting at book 100 and listening till the end of the main canon series and then going back and starting at episode one, that would be wild. And I would love someone to perform that experiment. Or try and listen to episode one and episode 100 at the same time. 
Oh, and I think it's like Wizard of Oz two and one hundred and one Pink Floyd. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll it'll rhyme. It syncs up. Yeah it, yeah, it syncs up. We put a lot of work into this. I think you'll find that it syncs up. Uh, uh, Jack, I'm gonna leave. No, that's not how this works, Baby Nation. This week we read a book called Stacy McGill Matchmaker. Matchmaker. Next week we're gonna be reading a book called Marianne in the Middle. What what's our T minus? Marianne in the Middle is book number one two five. Oofta, oofta, woofta. That's seven books. Seven books later, Marianne is gonna set a fire. Baby that Nation, ends a lot of you were asking. All. Hey, Jack Tanner, what are your plans for when you get to the end of the canon? Mm-hmm. We have literally no fucking idea, no Baby Nation. <laughs> idea. I can tell you, though, Baby Nation, that you should not worry and you should not panic because Tanner and I are panicking for you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing all the panicking. <laughs> we're doing all the panicking. Why would you panic when we're panicking? We'll keep doing something. We'll do something. And you can keep listening to us do something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Next week, we're reading a book called Marianne in the Middle. This week, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. And have been this week, Baby Nation. Round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right to bear time. And don't forget to let daddy love you as much as I do. Baby Nation, remember the Delaney's. Remember the trip, man. And take your dream horse through that maze. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. All right, my red light is shining, and I can see... I can't believe up. you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> no, I'm much better. I can't believe you've done this. You're British. I can't believe you've done this. Does he say his, the guy's name? Is it like remember. Kieran? Kieran, I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah. It wouldn't work if it was you did this. It's I. You've done. It's like this finality to it. You've done this, and now here we are so living in this. Um, what I was thinking of was, um, I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a headgum podcast.